So I found out today that my thermostat requires batteries to be changed. Oh no. And I'm fine, but it is chillier than I'd like it to be, so I'm far more bundled up than I usually am. Honestly, same. Uh, my thermostat does not need new batteries, but I do have a large, drafty, glass sliding patio door, and so I am currently wearing multiple layers. <laughs> I've been working from home this week, and so I've been working from home in my nice, cuddly, cozy, warm bathroom <laughs> on top of my regular clothes. That's awesome. I wish I could work from home. Although at least when I go to work, it is well heated, and I'm usually extremely warm when I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Last week I was so warm when I got off work that I actually had the windows down for a little bit on the drive home. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also helped mm -hmm. that we were in a little bit of a warm spell last week. Not this week. This week went right back down deep in the negatives, but like, yeah. it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's February, we expect that. We're probably going to get one more big snowstorm before March. Yeah, we are actually currently getting snow, and it's so cold, and I guess it's, even though it's snowing, I guess it is so arid and so cold that, like, all the snowflakes are just staying in perfect little hexagon shapes. They're, they're very clear and distinct snowflakes until they hit something warm, which is really huh. cool to see. Mm -hmm. I'll have to send you a picture later. Yes, I've never seen a snowflake before. <laughs> yeah. So that's nice, and it was also nice to not have to go into work this morning, when it was- maybe this will get cut because it's a little bit too identifying, but <laughs> it iced so much overnight that they closed the airport. Oh, dang! Because the runways were no longer safe, but you know who was still open? My workplace. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Waffle House. Honestly, I didn't check whether the Waffle House in my area is- or was closed today, but I don't know. Although Waffle House is one of the places that I am probably going to, that I'm considering getting dinner for Mardi Gras at, so. Nice. We don't have a Waffle House in Regina. We That's have a, a Denny's, but, but Denny's is like an establishment. It's not a Waffle House. Yeah. A Denny's occupies a similar but distinct niche when it comes to restaurants with breakfast food. Yeah. It's like it's like if a Swiss chalet served Waffle 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 House. If a if a Swaffle House <laughs> served a Waffle House, it'd be a Denny's. Mm -hmm. This is something that I only learned today. Did you know that you can buy Waffle House merchandise? I did not, but that doesn't shock me. You can get merchandise for really anything. You really can. I used to have global t like the network global television. I used to have merchandise for that. <laughs> I had a mug and I had a hat. I found two things from the Waffle House store that I was interested in buying, one of which is the Waffle House Island Trucker Hat, which is one of those trucker hats with like the mesh back on it, and the front, oh, nice. the front is like a white and navy print of a palm tree, and it's just the Waffle House letters slapped on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is a shirt that says Waffle House Princess. Oh, wow. And that might have to be my next Rob Your Neighbor gift. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy two. One for me and one for whoever else gets it. Have you ever been to Swiss Chalet? Tanner, those are Canada exclusives, so no. <laughs> oh, I I forgot about that. Wait, is, Denny also, <laughs> is Denny's also Canadian exclusive? No, Denny's is not Canadian exclusive. I could walk to one from my place. <laughs> okay. I forgot Swiss Chalet was Canadian only. Well, 
It's a, don't go. <laughs> if you ever come to visit Canada, don't go to Swiss Chalet. It's not worth it. I will say the only reason I know what Swiss Chalet even is is because you have previously mentioned them on an episode and I had to look them up while we were recording. <laughs> it was probably the exact same call out post about how like their chicken was dry and <laughs> it was I... too expensive for what is essentially glorified fast food. I feel like it was Boko for like season one. We were talking about like what would everyone do after graduation. And I think you said like either Quinn or Santana would end up running the American equivalent of a Swiss chalet. Do you guys have Montanas? No. We have a Montana, but not Montanas, plural. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming that's Montanas as in Joe. No, it's just Montanas. Ah, then no. There was, in Calgary, there used to be a restaurant called the Red Devil Kitchen, and they had the best dry ribs I've ever had, but unfortunately they went out of business and then the building was taken over by Montana's. Hmm. Oh, they got their own Google, not their, not their own Google, they have their own Wikipedia page. It's a Canadian restaurant chain known for smoked pork ribs, steaks, and burgers. I mean, why was? It's still active. Oh, I got the verb tense wrong when I was reading it. My apologies. <laughs> My apologies to the entire chain of Montana's restaurants. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could have sworn I just drove past the Montanas the other day. <laughs> nope, I'm a millennial. I can cause entire restaurant chains to go into bankruptcy at the single instance of a tweet. Good God. There's also, also a fun fact. There was a Swiss chalet in my old neighborhood, but they replaced it with like a sushi restaurant. But if you, if you, if you know Swiss chalet, you know the font that they use, then you can see that they recycled like half the letters in Swiss chalet for the sushi restaurant. Oh my god, they did they did a ransom letter for their restaurant sign? <laughs> <laughs> it's pragmatic. They only had to print off like a U and a B and an R. I think that was it. Oh no. Everything else. Hey, if it ain't broke, <laughs> just rearrange the letters. And if it is no, if it is broke, rearrange the letters. <laughs> if it wasn't broke, it'd still be Swiss Chalet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, do you want do you want to talk about Glee? Uh, yes. Although we should probably voice a disclaimer first. <laughs> yes, right. Okay, yeah. This is going to be a heavier episode. Like, so on the one hand, this is a podcast about Glee, and you guys have been listening to this. You know, we're probably going to be slap happy a little bit, especially because this is a night recording. Yeah. But like, on the other hand, this episode is dealing with serious topics. It deals directly with like suicide and suicide attempts, and I am going to be sharing some some personal experiences that I've had with that before. To explain why I think this is one of the best Glee episodes, period. Yeah. But on the third hand, like, just because Glee put all their eggs into the basket of making this the best episode ever doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And so, like, (laughs) we'll be serious when the time calls for it, but it's still Glee. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, I might I might be steering this one, because this is this is my this episode (laughs) is my child. This is an episode about my child, and it is my child. With that out of the way, do you want to put the title in music in right here? Well, uh, I won't. It'll be either you or Emily doing that, but yes, let's. It'll, it'll still be me because I'm a little freak when it comes to putting music in, speci- in a specific way that I've never been able to properly convey to the editor. So I'm just like, just let me do it. Just let me do it. And so I do it. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show 
Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Welcome to Loser Like Me, a podcast where we watch the episodes of Glee and then we talk about the episodes of Glee. I'm Tanner and Christina, let's get married right now. My name is Christina and uh, I-, I have Jim. Ah, beans. Okay, well, I guess we'll do it later then. Um, <laughs> this week, we are watching the seminal Anne Hathaway comedy drama, Rachel Getting Married. <laughs> yeah. That's jokes. It's jokes. It's jokes because Rachel getting married. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> it's also we've only jokes. been talking about it for like the past four episodes. So it's also jokes because Rachel doesn't get married. It's funny. So we're gonna milk that joke for all we can for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. No, the episode that we are talking about this week is called "On My Way." It mm-hmm. was directed by Bradley Blaker and mm-hmm. written by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa. Which so it's like. Again, he put all his eggs in making this one serious good art, and then he went on to do Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah. And now this isn't a knock on his capabilities as a writer. You know, I'm sure he's a very good writer. This episode proves that he is capable of being a very good writer. It just means that whenever Riverdale does something fucking weird, he chose to do it on purpose. Yes, that is true. This isn't a case of, I thought I was doing quality, but instead I made Riverdale. This is like, I can do quality, but I'm choosing... To do Riverdale. Yeah, it's like, just because you can't understand what in the hell is going on with Riverdale doesn't mean that it wasn't created with intent. D&D alignment, chaotic Riverdale. (laughs) Uh, It aired February 21st, 2012. Mm -hmm. So that's almost 11 years. I mean, it'll be a little over 11 years ago when this episode comes out, which Mm -hmm. I don't even know when this episode comes out because the schedule has gone crazy. Yeah. I think we're almost back into, like, a set schedule, if only because we have so many guests coming up that we plan in advance. It's like, we cannot change the date on them again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They told me they wrote this down in their day planner a year ago (laughs) when I gave them the date. I cannot threaten moving it around. Is that Annie? (laughs) Yes, it's Annie. I figured. But yeah. Indeed. I just want to start by saying that my notes begin with, on my way. Fucking here we go! (laughs) Let's get the fuck into it. It starts with blackmail. Sebastian has uh, summoned... No, wait. Does he summon them or does he approach them? Does he ambush them? I thought he ambushed Rachel and Kurt. This time was an ambush. The next time is a A pre-scheduled meetup. (laughs) Yes. So he... Rachel and Kurt are at the lima bean... And then Sebastian approaches them. He says something sassy about Kurt is being gay. And Kurt mm-hmm. just turns to Rachel's like, we can't come here anymore. Yeah. And then it turns out that I was just writing him down in my notes as Sebastian the snake. Which, honestly... He's a cold-hearted snake! Look into his <laughs> eyes. Uh-uh. He's been telling lies. <laughs> But honestly, that nickname feels like that's too uh, derogatory against snakes in general, so I will rephrase. <laughs> also, also, Sebastian, okay, for, well, I will say, actually, Sebastian does kind of have a cat, cat smile the same way that a hognose snake do. But also, again, this is his, this is the Sebastian Redemption episode, also. Uh, 
Your mileage may vary. Well, my mileage says that Sebastian slammed the brakes, like, did some Fast and Furious U-turns and immediately spent the other direction, and the other direction is being a good person. Yeah. Anyways, but before he's a good person, he has to, he pulls out a manila envelope, and he's like, behold, I have photoshopped pictures of Finn onto a transvestite? I thought it was just a... Thankfully, they don't show it. Well, they couldn't legally because it is clearly a not safe for work image. But basically, yes. it's a picture of a guy wearing like pantyhose and heels and like mm-hmm. ha- has exposed genitals. But they are not saying that the, like they obviously they're not showing it. They're just like, oh, my God, the exposed genitals. And mm-hmm. then it's a picture of Finn's head photoshopped on top of the body. Poorly photoshopped, I must yeah, say. So like the, the, this, this is clearly a, like a cross-dressing kink porn- pornographic image that Sebastian tracked down because obviously he knows where to find those. I know where to find those. And he put Finn's head on it. He's like, this is blackmail. Ha ha. Yeah. And he threatens, he he has this blackmail because he is threatening them that for the upcoming regionals competition, that if Rachel performs, then he will leak these photoshopped fake nudes of Finn onto the internet. And I I just would like to point out really quick that so far, the best performance of New Directions to date was when Rachel Berry was legally forbidden from participating. Yeah, but he's also, like, he's attacking Rachel's pride. And there's plenty of it, so. Yeah, like, considering the fact that Rachel did have to bow out of the previous competition, she's definitely like, I need to prove my worth in this one. There could be scouts. Yeah. I can't put the regionals on my transcript if I wasn't actually in the club. Yeah. And, like, we cut to them talking about this with the rest of the club. And Finn is like, I am going to go destroy Sebastian atom by atom. And Rachel's like, you can't. And Artie has the rule book. And he's like, bullying is forbidden and it gets you kicked out immediately. That's what the rules say. Specifically, it's any explicit or perceived threat of violence or humiliation will be dealt with swiftly. And then Will, once again, j- just like when Blaine was killed, Will is like, guys, we can't use the rule book to trust the system. We need to trust the system. <sighs> we have to take the high road. And they're like, they're, they're holding the high road at him. They're, they're pointing at the sign that says high road ahead. And Will's like, damn, I wish there was a high road we could take, but I guess we can't. Yeah. And Blaine is also standing right there and he's like, well, and also the zero tolerance bullying policy I've now discovered basically means nothing because the Dalton Headmaster doesn't do shit. Yeah. And Finn is upset that Rachel would even consider allowing, again, poorly photoshopped, but as we've, as we establish in this episode, people will believe anything if it's on the internet. Yeah. Like, Finn is like, I don't want these images of me to get out there. We have to do something. And Rachel is like, well, I don't care if there's porn on the internet. As long as it's not of me, so that it can't impact my future at Niata. And Finn says something like, oh, so that's how it's going to be then. And he storms out, and I just wrote in all caps, GET A DIVORCE! (laughs) You should get married for the sole purpose of getting a divorce. I was thinking about it last night, and I miss season two, Finn and Rachel, when they were together, and- For those eight episodes. (laughs) When they were together healthily, and they did things like- scheme to get more people to join the glee club and stay in the glee club yep but no rachel is incapable of being normal or healthy about anything and unfortunately it is contagious Mm -hmm. the the immediate next scene 
Which these here's the thing that like this scene next scene they really don't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. Like the, the, they decided this episode is going to be one, but one thing and one thing only, and we're we're distracting you just so that we don't start from zero on this. Yeah. But the next scene is basically uh, Sue invites Quinn into her office, and Sue is like, "I am pregnant with a human child. <laughs> what and do Quinn I do about is like, this? How? <laughs> I'm happy for you, but how? Science boggles. Yeah." And also hormones, apparently. Yeah. Oh, it's the, oh, get ready for like six episodes of Sue going, oh, my hormones, my uterus, it's filled with babies. <laughs> Let's nuke Europe. <laughs> and the whole thing is that like Quinn gives her advice on morning sickness and then also asks to be reinstated on the Cheerios for the sake of finishing her senior year as a Cheerio. And Sue points out that that's not really fair to the rest of the squad who have all been working probably since the preceding May <laughs> to get their shot at nationals. Yeah, like she did, she very much did quit in February, in January of last year. Yeah. Now, yes, it was like in protest of to make sure Brittany didn't get fired out of a cannon, mm-hmm. but also like assuming Sue is kind of normal now. Like also, Quinn, honey, you already got into Yale early decision. You don't need to add more things. I feel hang on, actually, I'm connecting some dots here. I feel like, because Quinn did that whole thing, like, I'm looking forward and moving on with my life. And then she found out that Rachel was getting married to Finn and she, like, immediately regressed again. That makes sense as a timeline, don't you think? I just have so many She finds out Rachel is getting married. She immediately starts swooning over Joe and decides she has to be a Cheerio again. I, I just have so many concerns. How is it? I mean, yes, everybody... we should always be concerned about Quinn. I'm just saying, yeah. like, hey, maybe this makes sense from a character standpoint. I'm desperately trying to make sense of Quinn's character. I can guarantee you, Tater, that that was absolutely not something that the writers, or at least Ryan Murphy, considered with any given detail. Oh, I know. I know nothing was ever on purpose with Quinn. That's why it's a struggle trying to make sense of it. But I'm gonna power through. Yeah. Let's let's jump to the next scene. <laughs> yes, let's let's get to the main purpose of this episode. So, Blaine is in the auditorium. He wants to sing some indie rock to blow off steam because I don't think we've mentioned this before, but this era of indie rock, like crossover indie rock and indie pop was like a huge boon for Glee and vice versa. Like mm-hmm. truly so many alt rock bands kind of had their big break because they got a song sung on Glee. You know, that's a good point. Like Neon Trees Fun, Young the Giant, they all got really, really big shortly after. American Authors, which is in the future, but still, like, they had their big break Mm -hmm. because they got a song sung on Glee. Huh. I guess I hadn't put that together. Uh, but yeah, and so Blaine's like, I need to blow off some steam because I'm just so angry about the bullying. The worst thing. Nothing bad will ever happen again this episode, I'm sure, but I'm so bad about the bullying. Yeah. And so... While Kurt looks on, oh yeah, he also says the the theme for regionals. Is that I can't fucking remember the theme for regionals. But they're they haven't picked uh, inspiration. What's, I think it was. What is their goddamn set list? <laughs> regionals is tomorrow. Where's your fucking set list? I have no idea. You know what? Maybe the reason why they don't have anybody who is actually like skilled in music as judges. Is because they all got so fed up with show choirs turning in their set lists at the last minute that everyone who was qualified to judge just left. (laughs) Maybe. 
They said, we are blacklisting the American Show Choir Association. <laughs> this, is, this is all just like a rogue show choir. Maybe that's the, what's going on. It's like, these are all rogue show choirs who refuse to technically play by the rules. Oh yeah, you know, the Maverick State, Ohio. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> Anyways, anyway. okay, so... Blaine is singing a song called Cough Syrup by Young the Giant. Mm-hmm. So t- textually, this song, when the original band wrote it, it was just about their frustration about not being able to get their big break yet, mm-hmm. which is bonkers. It's definitely one of those songs where like you hear it in one context and you think, oh, this makes so much sense. And then you find out that the original context was something way different. And you're like, mm-hmm. and you're incorrect, actually. Yeah. Like, there's this song that I really, really love called Slide by the Goo Goo Dolls, and I thought it was mm-hmm. about gay yearning, and then I found out it was, like, apparently about an abortion, and I'm like, mm, you're, no, no it's not, it's, it's, <laughs> this is a very gay song. <laughs> Anyways, but no, so Cough Syrup, yeah, Blaine sings Cough Syrup, now here's the thing, here's where all the trigger warnings go into effect, because as the song starts up, we cut over to Karofsky at his new school. He's going into the locker room, mm-hmm. and the guys are like kind of giving him funny looks. And Karofsky's like, "What's going on, guys?" And then he turns and he sees his locker, and it just says "faggot" graffitied all across it. Yeah. And the guys start like shoving him around and jeering at him as Dave's trying to get out of here. And this is all happening while Blaine is singing the song. And you really mm-hmm. should listen to the song. Hot take, I do think you should listen to the original, because I do think the original is a little bit more raw than Blaine's. Mm-hmm. I And mm-hmm. I we know that I Darren Chris can sing a really angry song, and yeah. it kind of makes sense in the kayfabe that he wasn't necessarily, but I feel like it would have worked better if they did another tank where Blaine was just fucking pissed off at the world when he sang it, because mm-hmm. it would match mm-hmm. with the intensity of the scene a little bit better. Yeah. Anyway, so Dave... He he runs out of the school. He runs home. He's mm-hmm. B- mm-hmm. basically sp- has to speed run all the stages of depression of just like he's trying to relax. He's trying to listen to music, but like we see him going through his CDs and his heart isn't in it. He tries to go online and he sees everyone saying horrible things about him and mm-hmm. homophobic mm-hmm. abuse and all this shit. And he's getting more and more freaked out. We can see him like crying and Mm -hmm. clawing at his head and panicking and then you just see like this calmness go over him Mm -hmm. this this horrible horrible calmness the resignation yeah that like the the fear and the depression have bottomed out and he doesn't see any path forward so he goes and he puts on his nicest suit and Mm -hmm. he grabs i can't remember if he grabs a belt or something but he he makes a noose for himself that yeah. he puts up in his closet. And like as the song is going and building and building, it ends as we see Dave like climb up a step stool and then we cut to commercial. I remembered that this happened, but not exactly how it happened. Max Adler was doing some great acting and I was literally sitting there with like my face covered for most of it because I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh no. Yeah. It's very well done and it's very affecting. It, it really is. And... I, there has been a trillion words written on discourse of whether, like, it's good to show suicide or not show suicide and whether one thing encourages or it discourages or whatever. The fact of the matter is that anyone who is, like, facing an issue like that, everyone is different and any one little thing could set them off. And mm-hmm. as we go further in this episode, we will show that, like, everyone has, if they're stressed enough, there's anything could be the straw that breaks their, that breaks their back. Yeah, and it's also yeah. anything could be the thing that pulls them back. And mm-hmm. I, f- I personally feel that 
it, it sucks that for many people might see a depiction of suicide and unfortunately something in their brain clicks and it goes, it's not as bad as I feared and that encourages them. But I feel like there are just mm-hmm. as many people who will see this horrible thing and see what happens to people after and go, there's no way I can go through with this. Yeah. In fact, there was, I I think it may have been Chip Zdarsky who wrote a really, really long essay on like, here's what happens after you kill yourself. And it is just like, Here's the reaction of the person who finds you. Here's your friends and family. Here's all of them blaming themselves. Here's them trying to figure it out, getting mad at you, trying to figure out what they could have done different, where they went wrong, them falling into the same spiral you did and all of the fallout of it and why it's such a terrible, terrible thing that can happen. Not a thing that you can do because the truth of it, like, like, people dying from suicide is not only the politically correct way, but it is a much more, like proper way of saying it anyways because yeah accurate because it's it's a terrible thing to do to yourself but like the fact that you are doing it means that things have gotten so far that it is out of your hands essentially yes yeah like guys this is a heavy episode yeah and i i don't have much to i don't have much to add to that at least right now we will we will talk about other parts of it as we go on but Um. yeah the, the other trivia about this is that this episode helped to get some of the parental guidance warnings removed from the first time, because when the first time aired, that was the sex episode, mm-hmm. there were parental guidance warnings, like spe- specialized ones that aired before in a lot of countries and a lot of networks because it said gays have sex. Mm-hmm. And then this episode aired and there were no special warnings and the whole cast made a hubbub and the fandom made a ruckus. Like a lot of people kind of knew that this was coming going forward. If they were deep in the fandom, you're like looking at all the production stills and everything and you're piecing things together. So a lot of people in the fandom knew this was happening, but when we saw it and we saw that there were no special warnings, a lot of people said, how come this is being blasted to everyone without any kind of warning whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. when the gays were having Mm -hmm. sex, you were like, holy Mm -hmm. shit, you gotta hide your kids. Mm -hmm. So the outcry over this did kind of help reverse that and put proper wa- take warnings off of the things that didn't need them, but pro- proper warnings on things that did. Yeah. Okay. So we come back from the commercial break. All four teachers have McKinley. Yeah. Yeah. The only four teachers at William McKinley High School. It's it's Beast, Emma, Will, and Sue. So okay, four out of five teachers because Roz wasn't here. Oh, f- uh, four out of six. Ricky. Ricky Martin. Oh, that's true. Ricky Martin is also a teacher. Okay, but they're both there, and they're like, we don't know this kid. Mm-hmm. They're like part-times, they're subs, and maybe they're having a three-way with Holly Holiday. Anyways. <laughs> God. A, week, a week-long sex retreat. <laughs> Anyways. Bring it back, Tanner. Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back. Serious. <laughs> so Figgins is talking to the teachers, and he's like, we gotta be careful because uh, suicides like this, even attempts like this was, so v- they very quickly say, he attempted suicide, He he di- mm-hmm. it did not kill him. He's alive still. Yeah, yeah. But he says that situation like this can cause copycats, so we need to keep a close eye on the kids. We then mm-hmm. cut to, it was Will who says, all I can think about is his dad finding him. And, and then much it. like I said before, we cut to his dad. And I think this is the, the most important part is that we do cut to his dad finding him. Dave is on the floor, completely passed out. And his dad is screaming, screaming, mm-hmm. somebody help. Oh God, oh God, my son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we go back and we see like, they all just kind of blame themselves for not seeing it. Even Sue, who was like, I thought I was trying to protect Kurt. Uh, and I, but I should have realized that there was something else going on with Dave and I wish I could have found a way to reach out to him. Mm-hmm. Emma is the one who says that, that like there's horrible things are still being posted on his Facebook page. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's a mess. Everyone, the, this, the next 20 episodes, this, uh, minutes of this episode are basically everyone's a mess. What the fuck do we do? Yeah. And Figgins, I think, says the line about like, oh, it wasn't our job to know about Dave's whole internalized homophobia and bullying and everything. And Emma says, then whose was it? Yeah. So this is this this is the part where I really feel like I wish there had been a musical number. Specifically, I wish they would have done something like Children Will Listen from Into the Woods. I I think that would have been a bit too heavy handed. Okay. Personally, I think while they could have chosen some better songs for this episode, I yeah, feel like in no. general the fact that they just had cough syrup and then they saved everything else for regionals made sense because I feel like mm-hmm. if you, you it's possible they could have thread the needle but if they missed yeah. it it would have completely ruined the vibe of the episode mm-hmm. like I think it is very important that there is no singing going on everyone is kind of speechless because they don't know how to deal with it they yeah. have to kind of collect themselves and lean on each other to figure out how they're going to proceed with their lives now that someone so close to them, even if it was in an antagonistic position for most of it, tried to and almost perished. Yeah, I think what I what I was mainly like hoping for by suggesting that is like to have more and more ex more exploration of how like the adults in this situation are not completely faultless. Like they need to also do looking into like Emma said, like how did we let this happen? What can we do differently? going forward yeah like i'm not complaining that a lot of this episode focuses on the kid on like the students the kids and their perspectives i just i think it would have maybe been nice to portray that from the perspective of the responsible adults in this situation yeah like i get what you're saying i think i think the best like if we wanted to put a children will listen in here i think the best way they could have done it is if like potentially this plot line echoed more throughout the rest of the season and like Mm -hmm. so maybe in the next episode or maybe like a few episodes later if one of the teachers did something uh, did something really boneheaded again which is like not not a high bar (laughs) but if that happened again then like uh, someone could call them out on that and cite the Karofsky thing and that could lead into it so like it would make sense if it was something that happened later down the line but again Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah, I just think that trying to force it into this episode would undermine the rawness of the whole situation. Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you want to talk about the God Squad? Uh, yeah, let's cut to the God Squad. We cut to them, and they're, it's the four of them, and they're getting ready to... They mention that they want to pray for Dave because he got outed, and Quinn also wants to pray for his family, which, that's good. But then she calls him selfish, and I... I I was taking kind of broader strokes notes, so I don't remember exactly why it was that she called him selfish. I think it has something to do with, like, thinking about the impact it would have on his friends and his family, something to that extent. Yeah, yeah, she did. She basically said that she wasn't just hurting himself, she was hurting everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, it it does go back to what I was saying, but... Again, so yeah, on the one hand, yes, understanding like the impact it has on everyone can be a good demotivator, but mm-hmm. also saying this is your fault is never a constructive way to deal with things. No, and I'm blaming that on the writers. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing, though, going back to my desperately trying to make sense of Quinn, it does kind of make sense, because this is her... As much as as much as he wants to say, I'm over my my three seasons long self destructive spiral, and I'm so normal now. Every day I look in the mirror and I say, I am so normal. 
this is her again trying to do that and she's saying like i'm fine i never did anything wrong because i never attempted this yeah so i'm the good one yeah and specifically in universe kurt joins the god squad and he mentions he's flat out calls quinn out like quinn why (laughs) quinn where did your empathy go did you did you leave it in the previous episode yeah he says that as bad as bad as things got the world never stopped loving you quinn which is true because every time she made every time she did something incredibly stupid and self-destructive there was always something in her corner saying hey can you please stop being so self-destructive you're hurting everyone and yourself Mm-hmm. the world never stopped loving quinn but ryan murphy did yes this is correct put a pin in that yeah kurt is also here to pray for dave because i think mercedes sam one of them asks like it was hey, joe I- actually shocker of all shockers no, it I, was- <laughs> I i meant like Either Sam or Mercedes asks Kurt why he's there because he doesn't vibe oh, with yes. God. And Joe mentions that he invited Kurt because Kurt asked him if they were going to be praying or anything. Because even if he doesn't necessarily follow organized religion or believe in a God in specific, he does want to help and he also feels responsible, or at least partially re- responsible, because Dave kept calling him and Kurt kept ignoring the calls. Yeah. Kurt also mentions that people are still writing on his page stuff like better luck's next time. Gotcha. And also, just with with the spiritual thing, this does also harken back to season two, where Kurt was at Bert's bedside saying, like, I may not believe in God, but I believe in us. And Mm -hmm. so it's a very much a similar thing. It's like, I may not believe in God, but I believe that Kurofsky can pull through, and I need to believe Mm -hmm. that this is... I, I need to believe that I can't make this worse, essentially. Yeah. I have, I, like, Kurt is blaming himself. He's like, I have done a horrible thing. I need to be with people to, to support me and make sure that I don't start telling myself that it's, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. He, wants, he wants to support and he needs to be supported. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. In the Finchel Corner. Now let's cut, let's cut to the hats. <laughs> In the Finchel Corner. They <laughs> run up to each other. And they both immediately apologize. Rachel's like, I'm sorry that I almost got bad pictures of you posted on the internet. And Finn is like, I'm sorry I almost let my concern with pictures of you posted on the internet get in the way of your dreams. They don't literally say that. But they do both say, hey, I'm sorry about y'all. Yeah. Rachel still offers to bow out of regionals to keep the porn from being leaked. Fake porn? Forn? Yeah. The deep fakes. Yeah. They didn't have them yet, but that's what they are. <laughs> yeah. And I think Finn says something about, like, reflecting on how, like, Karofsky's whole- or not Karofsky's, excuse me. I call him Dave now. (laughs) On Dave's suicide attempt has, I don't know, made him value life or something like that. And that's when Rachel says, let's get married now. (laughs) And that's when Finn says, but I have Jim. Yeah. And so they, they change their plans. Instead of getting married in three months, they're going to get married on Saturday after they win regionals because Rachel will be singing at regionals. Hold so your applause. Checkmate atheists. And then we cut to the gay doom squad. <laughs> because it's, it's Britanna and Clayne and they walk up to Sebastian at the Lima Bean where he called them to meet here. And he apologizes to them for 
the whole silly, petty Ryan Murphy style revenge that he was enacting and mentions that they're going to be doing a fundraiser with their regionals performance to support Lady Gaga's Born This Way Foundation. Because it turns out that apparently Sebastian also bullied Dave. Yeah, we flash back to scandals and Sebastian's at the Duke box and Dave sows up to him and he's like, hey, so uh, how do I get a guy to like me? And Sebastian's like, you're fat, you're ugly, go die. He doesn't actually say that, but he does say, hey, you should drop some pounds because you're wicked overweight. And you know what? Why don't you just stay in the closet? And then he pieces out like the little <sighs> faggot he is. I'm allowed to say that. I just called him a fucking jerk. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could say that. Yeah. This is the weird side now that I'm working on reclaiming slurs. <laughs> I still feel weird about fag on its own, but faggot is like a sister to me. Okay. But again, only I can say that. Yes, I'm absolutely not going to say that. <laughs> I can see Christina hyperventing like, oh shit, is Tanner going to get us cancelled? No, no. <laughs> Yeah, and then Sebastian, like, his line is, it's all fun and games until it's not. And he also looks, like, just very shaken by this whole scenario. And this is why I'm saying, like, this is the Sebastian Redemption episode. Because, yeah, he's he's been a nasty little boy for this entire in time that he's been on the show. And then suddenly he realized that his actions have consequences. And it was just like he saw his castle crumble. And he's like, I, I can never let this happen again. Maybe it's because I'm Catholic, but I require more plenary indulgences. <laughs> it's it's not an indulgence, though. <laughs> so Sebastian is not trying to assuage his guilt by gathering charity donations. Sebastian, for what this is the first time he's probably felt guilty. Yeah. And he's like, I need to make sure I am a better person. One of the things I should do amongst many is gather donations to ensure that no one has to go through this again, while I also better myself. I think I'm just further- I'm just further- I'm, I'm still closer to the starting line than you are on the Sebastian Redemption arc. I'll okay. put it that way. This is- I mean, here's the thing. This episode is also the, the first and last episode of the Sebastian Redemption arc, because he only makes, like, three more appearances uh, <laughs> in the show. And then he goes off to the CW. Exactly. But, like, when he does show up, he is a distinctly nicer person. Hmm. Anyways, the important thing is that Zabowski is my OTP. <laughs> my other OTP. You know what? Chaser Bliss, Tanner. Chaser Bliss. <laughs> I did. I wrote a whole fanfic about it. <laughs> Anyways, next is the peanut butter scene. All I wrote down for my notes is the peanut butter scene, because uh, th- this is this is one of the scenes that just lives in my brain constantly. And I, th- it's one ah. of those scenes where, like, yo, sometimes you go and you watch your favorite scenes from television shows to make you really, really feel something. And it's like, yeah. you know, the, the final battle of Power Rangers Mystic Force, or a compilation of lines that Aaron Sorkin reuses, or the Glee peanut butter scene. So here's mm-hmm. the Glee peanut butter scene. Mm-hmm. Will goes up to, like, has all the kids gathered in a circle in the auditorium. Why are we in a circle? It's just, it helps. <laughs> Look, they're, th- they're theater kids. They just do this sometimes. When I was in high school drama, mm-hmm. our drama teacher, he would always have us gather in a circle whenever we were doing warm-ups. And so mm-hmm. one time, one of the warm-up games was, it was one of those, like, it was called Atom. And it, you'd say Atom, and then you'd say a thing, and people would, like, imitate that thing. Um, but it was also an elimination game. So if you said Adam three, you had to get into groups of three. Mm. And if there weren't enough people left over, then <laughs> they would be eliminated. So one of them was Adam, the drama teacher. And so one girl immediately took charge like, okay, everyone, we're just going to gather in a circle now. And someone goes, why are we gathering in a circle? And she goes, it just helps. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. When you said Adam the drama teacher, I, I thought you meant that it was like X number of theater kids just glomping the theater teacher. <laughs> <laughs> he is the nucleus. We are electrons. <laughs> well, one time he he like shouted Adam and the number, and it was like the number of everyone plus. It was supposed to be the number of everyone, but he'd accidentally increased, and so we counted, and they're like, "There's not enough people," and then we all turned to him, and then we did glomp the drama teacher. <laughs> Anyway, circle time. Circle time, peanut butter time. So, uh, Will has a jar of peanut butter and a spoon, and he announces that Rory Flanagan has never- This is Rory, watch. Rory Flanagan has never tasted peanut butter in his life. My note here was, let's peer pressure Rory into trying peanut butter. <laughs> let's hope that he doesn't have a peanut allergy. <laughs> God, yeah! <laughs> um, I did do a Google, and apparently peanut butter is available in Ireland, so they're not being weird, but also apparently it's not super common. Or not, it's not super popular. So it is mm-hmm. realistic that Rory Flanagan had never tasted peanut butter before. Mm-hmm. Of course, Googling is there peanut butter in Ireland. Like, the first three articles are like, peanut butter's come a long way since uh, 2012. <laughs> From July 2nd, 2019, it's official. The Irish public has gone nuts for peanut butter. Uh, in fact, new research from Healthista, a leading online health channel, reveals that peanut butter is now Ireland's number one spread. That was drifting into Scottish, and I apologize. I was gonna say, your your general Scottish and Irish accents have gotten a lot better. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even try to go into New Zealand. Ooh, I'm Scottish. My eyebrows are gonna seed from the rest of my face. <laughs> so Rory has the peanut butter, and he's like, wow, that's the most amazing thing I've ever tasted. Mm-hmm. And then Puck is like, yeah, great, peanut butter, why are you here? And then Will announces that, like, if Rory had died... He never would have had the chance to taste peanut butter. And if Will had died when he was a kid, he never would have been able to see Rory taste the peanut butter. And he he then explains something I said earlier, which is that a lot of people, like, could hit that point where they see suicide as the only way forward. And mm-hmm. some of them are like, come on, do you really believe that? Like, none of us are gonna do something that drastic. And Will just says, well, I almost did. Yeah. And then we find out in the most humanizing moment Will will ever have, he'll never be humanized more again. Not even when he has kids? <laughs> Truly. Oh, no. He only had kids to have, have more Glee Club attendees. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, no, but it's okay. So he announces that when he was in high school, he was uh, doing bound a math test. So we tried copying the answers off the kid next to him. And he got caught and got detention. And they called his dad. And Will was so mortified about the possibility of seeing his dad's face that he did legitimately go up to the roof and mm-hmm. look down and was ready to jump. Mm-hmm. And he never actually says this, but the implication is that the only thing that made him stop is him thinking about everything else that he could possibly do, like everything else that he could be missing out on if he did jump. Because mm-hmm. this is what he goes on to do is to like let the kids know, hey, it is very possible that you could reach that point. And so I want us to go around the circle and say something that we are excited to happen in our future because... We need to say that out loud and to make sure that it's something we keep in the in our heads and it's something we can hold on to mm-hmm. if we get to that point. And they do. They go around the circle and I didn't take mm-hmm. notes, but I'm going to try and remember everyone. I could probably help. I didn't write notes, but I think I remember it. Finn wants to petition the military to change his dad's dishonorable discharge to an honorable one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel wants to uh, go on Broadway as, her funny, as the funny girl. Mm-hmm. Tina... Just wants Tina, a solo. Tina just wants a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because no one likes Tina. 
but Puck we just like really to... wants to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike wants to dance at Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. Artie wants to see his kids' first steps. Mm-hmm. Mercedes wants to see what the fuck Rachel's kids look like. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that Santana wants her grandmother to love her again. Yeah. Kurt and Blaine, I believe they both say that they want, are looking forward to marriage being legal in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Brittany wants to uh, help Lord Tummington to kick his cocaine addiction. Yep. Sugar wants to see Seconds in City 3, which... Keep waiting, honey. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> Joe hasn't joined the Glee Club yet. Quinn is looking forward to graduating Yale with full honors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sam wants to buy his parents a house. Yeah. Good boy. And Rory is fully satisfied with the peanut butter and winning regionals. Yes. And yeah, this is one of my favorite scenes because this is something that I feel like I've mentioned before, but if I haven't, hey, I'm Tanner. And I have dealt a lot with suicidal ideation for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. And it's rough. Yeah. And this scene does help me remember to fall back on stuff that I'm committed to and that I'm looking forward to. Even And even if it's something really silly, but there have been mm-hmm. times like, I'm just going to let the darkness consume me. I can't fucking do that, though, because I have a podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, it truly sounds deranged when I say it out loud, but that is the truth, is that... The the stuff I'm looking forward to and the connections I have with other people. To the point where even this past weekend, I was going to go to a Magic of the Gathering event at my local comic shop. And then I got sick and I was fucking miserable for three days (laughs) because the wind got taken out of me and my lungs were filled with ooze and I could not go out. And I was like, wow, this is, these were also the first time I had plans to go out in public since last time I went out in public and immediately got sick. And I was like, wow, fuck me. I didn't even get the chance to go out, have fun, and then regret it after. I was just knocked out before I left the house. Yeah. And so, but the thing is, here's the thing, is that even when the thing I was looking forward to got taken out from under me, there was other stuff that I was, like, looking forward to. And I was like, I can't reasonably believe that the universe has it out for me because I have these friends and I have these podcasts and these games and this mm-hmm. fucking fan fiction where Dr. Doom is a <laughs> shitty teen Fighting Nazis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to stick around long enough to see those through. And by the time I have, there will be other things in my life to look forward to. I want to yeah. ask the, out the cute guy I work with. I don't know if he's gay. He might be. We'll find out. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm sending you all the supportive vibes, Tanner. Also, this isn't just me being a weird little freak. Because me- I've had many other friends share similar thoughts. Like, I've had a friend... I'm not going to name names or say anything specific. But there was a friend of mine who did a whole thing on Tumblr where they were fully prepared to die from suicide. But they decided, you know what, before I do that, I'm going to watch a, vi- a one last uh, video from by a YouTuber that I really like. And they did. And they loved it. And they were like, shit, I will never get to see any of these videos again if I die tonight. <laughs> so I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And they're still around. And that's awesome. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it's, it is a really heavy subject. But I am glad that... Glee took the time out of their busy schedule of singing songs to (laughs) deal with it and deal with it in a serious and mature and, in my opinion, healthy and respectful way. Yeah, honestly, me too. This is one of those things where I think this is maybe the second time so far that I have regretted getting out of Glee when I did, because I think it would have, like, without getting too much into it, I (laughs) I am also not immune to depression. And yeah. I can't think of any time in particular, but 
watching this scene when I was in high school, maybe it could have helped. But you know what? I'm still here and I have it now, so I will carry it forward. Exactly. Also, yeah, it's it's just, it's a good scene. The acting is good. The kids are good. For once, Will Schuster is likable and believable. <laughs> <laughs> the only time! Yeah. Oh, 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 I remembered what Kurt's was. Yes. Kurt wants to see his dad make a big difference in the legislature. Oh, good luck with that. I feel like they completely forgot that plot after the season. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, damn, Glee, maybe you shouldn't have gotten involved in... That's one where it's like, you probably should have had some follow-through on that, and you just full-on did not. Look, if they did Glee nowadays, Bert Hummel would have single-handedly ruckus the entirety of the insurrectionists. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I think if they did if they did a full reboot like from square one, Bert probably just would have run for like mayor. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's something local where they don't have to like get they don't have to turn themselves into the West Wing. Mm-hmm. They don't have to fundraise out the ass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> it's time for regionals, and we're not even halfway through the runtime of the episode. Oh, you're right. Well, that's be- because it's a competition episode. So, like, yeah, a good chunk of it is just going to be everyone performing. Ooh. Let's meet our judges. I wrote them down if you didn't. <laughs> I did. I had to. I paused to make mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I was trying to watch this right before my doctor's appointment on the weekend. So I'm like, okay, gotta write these out ah, quick. Yeah. We have Deputy Zoning Commissioner Melba Jackson Wright. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say that she looks way more excited to be here than the uh, Deputy Comptroller from season one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We also have president of the Ohio Plumbers Union, Paul Beindorf. Shout out Mm -hmm. to unions. Mm -hmm. Shout out to unions, always. And Central Ohio's number one late night horror host, Sven Sven Goebbels! Played by Ian Brennan! Yup. And apparently he is well enough beloved that all of the different show choir kids are doing like little vampire faces at each other, except for Kurt, who hates it. (laughs) Even like... While the, the announcer was doing the build-up, Finn has got this look in his face like, No way! And then, yeah, it's Sven Goobles! If somehow you are not familiar, uh, this is a play on Sven Gooley, who is a prolific late-night movie host and does the same shtick as Sven Goobles, but brand name. You, you gotta remember that late-night horror hosts are not as common as they used to be, is the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think most people, they remember Elvira and the Crypt Keeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's a bu- there are a bunch of them. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to take a moment here to note that New Directions is sitting next to a magical choir dressed like they just came from the Ren Fair. Truly, yeah. <laughs> they delight me for multiple reasons. Well, be- before we get to them, we mm-hmm. need to get through the Warblers. Yes, Warbler time. They come out. First, they're going to sing Stand by Lenny Kravitz. Which is not bad. It's fine. Yeah, it, it's It doesn't fine. thrill me the way that their other song does, but it's a solid song. Yeah. I was like, oh, hi, Steven Skyler. Hey, Kurt Mega. <laughs> also, hey, the rest of the Warblers whose character names but not actor names I remember. Sassy Gay Warbler? He's Jeff. There. Jeff and Tad. <laughs> well, yeah. So New Direction stands up and start clapping. And one of the Renfro girls is like, why are you cheering on your competition? And Finn's like, life's too short. You should try it. And so then everyone else also stands up and starts clapping for them. It's like, yes, we are standing during the song Stand. Yes. And as friend of the pod, uh, Riley Hopkins, at Rev Rye Bread on Twitter, that's Rev like Rev, Rye like Rye Bread. Because at this point, that's just embedded in my consciousness as to how to, how to address them. <laughs> but as Riley can attest to, every 
number in a show where competition gets a standing ovation. Every single one. <laughs> yes, this is correct. Yes. And I would just like to say that my stand, stand, has the power to make you stand. <laughs> Anyways, then they get to my favorite song of the episode, which is Glad You Came by The Wanted, which is like, truly, it should be just a random whatever song. Uh, it's like, hey girl, I'm glad you're in my vicinity so me and the, all the other members of my boy band can flirt with you simultaneously because we're in a polycule. That's just how every boy band song works. However, <laughs> I don't know what they did, but something about the composition and the acapellaness of this makes, like, just elevates the song to another, like, point for me. Also, just the fact that, like, within the context of the episode, that this song is no longer, hey girl, etc. This song is, hey David, I'm glad you're still around. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you have a better life than you did before. I think it was fine. <laughs> I also like the parts where Sebastian goes, <laughs> It doesn't sound anything like that, but if you listen to it, you'll know what I mean. I just wrote down that the, the dancing was good and that the vocals were fine. <laughs> dancing was good. The dancing was better for Glad You Came than it was for Stan. Yes. Yeah. I think they did some flips. They might have. So they only sang two songs. Maybe, if you want to, you can head canon that they sang a third song, possibly a song that we heard them sing before on the show, but who fucking knows? Who cares? Whatever. Anyways. Yeah. It's time for Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow. Yes. Their magical choir is called the Golden Goblets. We don't get to see their whole song. All we get to hear is part of their performance of a song called She Walks in Beauty by uh, the composer Eric Barnum. And this is ripped from a recording of the University of Redlands. 2008 Madrigal's performance. I was like, okay. oh, this is good tone, but it's not show choir tone. And it's because it's literally they overdubbed them with an actual Madrigal choir performing. Oh, you've been saying Madrigal. For some reason, I was hearing Magical Girl. <laughs> that would be a whole other, that would be a whole other concept for a TV show right there. But no, the Madrigals. I'm pretty sure that is just the concept of at least one season of Pretty Cure. Huh. Okay. I'll have to check that out then. Also, real quick, two of the people in the Golden Goblets, there is a redheaded performer, and that is Kim Whalen, who is a star kid and also Kurt Mega's wife. Huh. And another one of them is Mitch Grassy from Pentatonix. Huh. So, uh, good news, Tanner, we could watch Pitch Perfect 2 for our Boko because <laughs> Pentatonix was also in that movie. I mean, we already could have watched Pitch Perfect just for the vibes of it all. True. But we have a specific in if we want to watch the second movie only. I was just double checking Mitch Grassi's pronouns, and he does use he, him. I just want to be sure, because Mitch mm -hmm. Grassi is very gender all the time. Yes, um, Also, apparently absolutely. in 2017, he was the most eligible gay bachelor behind Adam Lambert. Really? Oh, wait, never mind. He is saying that he uses both masculine and feminine pronouns. Oh, cool. So, good for her. Work. Yeah. Anyways. Absolutely. This has been your pentatonics update. <laughs> I'm always down for a pentatonics update. Fucking love them. Yeah, so they're singing some Gregorian chants, and Figgins loves it. <laughs> yes, he's vibing. And then we cut to the choir room, where Puck is deliberately and intentionally all by himself applying mascara. Growth, we love to see it. And he mentions that the Golden Goblets were good. He does refer to them as the Golden Girl Matterhorn Singers. <laughs> <laughs> And Brittany says, but I couldn't even hear their instruments. Which is brilliant because it does imply that she believe she does not understand the word was a cappella, and I love that for her. <laughs> so you see her going, 
and is like, oh, that's a guitar. Exactly. Oh, Brittany. I mean, listen, there, there are there are many acapella groups that are on the level of like, if you didn't know they were acapella going in, you wouldn't catch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they do their so- show circle. And before uh, they do the amazing, Finn and Rachel do announce that they are getting married at, like this afternoon at the Justice of the Peace. And there's going to be light refreshments because the berries spent all night making finger sandwiches. And I just wrote down, well, looks sad and disappointed. Hashtag YOLO. <laughs> and also, th- essentially, thanks to all our haters who didn't believe that we would get married. And then it cuts to Quinn, who is just sitting there in agony. <laughs> we go into the, a mashup that was already pretty mid but in hindsight is just real cringe mm-hmm. to the point where it kind of loops back around to kind of hilarious this song is a mashup of Fly by Nicki Minaj and Rihanna and I believe I can fly by a sex pest by R. Kelly Yes. and also Nicki Minaj has been an assorted iffiness for the past yeah. little while too you heard all about her cousin's testicle. Anyways. Yes. I just, my, my first note here, I just want to say was, oh, what the fuck is this song? <laughs> they auto-tuned Leah Michelle to hell and back. And here's the thing. Like this, it has really mediocre uh, composition, choreography, and solos. Mm-hmm. Like just in a vacuum. And Mercedes Wales. <laughs> and it's their best number this episode. Mm. Well, maybe not their I, best. I, it's... <laughs> It's a song and they sing it. And I feel like we've said all that we need to. My other note here was they should have kept Rachel off the solo. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This, this is a very Rachel dominated set list. Yeah. The choreography does uh, involve a lot of stepping forward and sidestepping and then stepping back. Yeah. I believe there's a part where the boys do faux boxing behind Blaine because he's talking about the, the haters. Ah. Rory watched. He does not too bad on this choreography on account of the fact that there's barely any. <laughs> Apparently, the mashup of Fly and I Believe I Can Fly was included in Glee's top four mashups countdown. I just wrote down, in all caps, why? Why, girl, why? (laughs) Like, I think I can name four better mashups just in the series so far. Yeah. (laughs) At least. For sure. We then proceed to the contractually obligated Trouble Tones number, which is What Doesn't Kill You by Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. And okay, so maybe in a vacuum, this is a better song than the mashup. I just feel like within the context of the show, maybe not the best choice of song. Yeah. Yeah. The whole What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger part. It's not the most tonally appropriate. I was delighted to see the Trouble Tones here, and they sound great. Yes, they do. They they sure do sing it real good. I like that Brittany gets a solo, but I also mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that Mercedes and Santana fucking demolish the bridge. Hell yes. Yes, they do. But yeah, ultimately, I feel like it's my least favorite of the Trouble Tones songs. It's not innovative, but it's still yes. good. I think that's what it is. Is that I, I feel like the Warblers mm-hmm. came to another level because of Sebastian trying to be a better boy. And New Directions are like, well, we were already better. So let's just let's go out coast. there and give them the usual. Yeah. And also, Sue Sylvester walked in. And after the Treble Twins performance, she smiles proudly at them. Okay. Which is the correct response. I mean, yes, but okay. Yes. It's, yeah. it's Sue. It's Sue. It's Sue. And then for their file number... We have Rachel singing Here's to Us by Hailfire, a song that is Hailstorm. not that great. Hailstorm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I listened to the original, and it's I don't think it's that thrilling a song. Why did they give Leah a rock song? Because Leah and Michelle can do anything! 
Christina, she's the future of sound. <laughs> Sorry, I just pictured Amber Riley and Leah Michelle in a cage fight for the future of sound and <laughs> how long it would last before Amber Riley would emerge victorious from the cage. Amber Riley is just throwing her out of the ring by her hair. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I wonder if this song would have been better suited for Sam to sing. It would have been better suited for no one to sing. Don't sing this song. It's incredibly mid-song. Yeah. Uh, the, the staging is kind of boring. It ends up with, it's like Rachel starts by singing on the stage alone, and then the rest of the girls come out, and then the boys emerge from the balconies and the boxes, and Rachel's dads cry. And yay, there's a girl hug. Yeah, another reason that Damien does good at the choreography, because there is none. It's yeah. really just boys singing from the sky. Yeah. Also, uh, they censored this song to hell and back. Oh, truly? <laughs> yeah. The line about, like, oh, like, let's shoot the breeze was originally shoot the shit. <laughs> all the times that we fucked up was changed to all the times that we messed up. The phrase kicked my ass was changed to gone too fast. And most obviously, the phrase, tell them to fuck themselves, was changed <laughs> to, tell them to forget themselves. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, my problem with this whole set list is that in an episode that is very powerful, this whole thing just feels incredibly toothless. Yeah. It's a very thoughts and prayers set list. It really is. Like, not to be a little uh, freak on a leash, but this would have been a great time to have a new metal moment. <laughs> <laughs> like yes okay t like right now today i definitely want to slap mike shinoda for doing that garbage nft ai generated music video but this would have been a great time to wheel out some classic lincoln park like somewhere i belong and have finn just go ham god could you imagine i'm trying to but glee never had their new metal moment <laughs> And then you segue into your ska moment and you sing Point Counterpoint by Street Like Manifesto, which is a song literally about convincing yourself that it's a bad idea to hurt yourself on account of the fact that, like, you so many people who care about you. Mm. And yes, that might be difficult because it's a ska song and it's a patter song. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have someone in the cast who can do a patter song. It's not Leah. Not Leah. <laughs> Maybe what Darren. song? Leah, Leah would have to Maybe force Kurt. herself into some song. What's a song that she could sing? Mm. I hope you dance. That's what oh it is. Oh my god. Here's the revised set list. <laughs> Unless you have a better option. No, I. my only thing is like, I, I think I Hope You Dance is the perfect song simply because almost every year at my high school choir's spring concert, the graduating seniors got the chance to sing a solo if they wanted to and so many times the girls sang i hope you dance yeah so it's yeah, a very yeah. accurate choice so okay so now do you think i hope you, should that be the opening number or the middle number middle number okay so we start with finn and sam and puck singing somewhere i belong by lincoln park and then we go into it's it's a contractual album way to get to Trouble Tones number, but they let Rachel have the solo since she couldn't perform in sectionals. And so it's the very Trouble kind Tones of them. It's, it's very kind of them. Holy shit. It's the Trouble Tones and Rachel singing I Hope You Dance. And then we go into Point Counterpoint, which is probably Darren and Artie and... Actually, you know what? Brittany's probably in there too. And we'll put Kurt in there too because he has emotional connection. Isn't it kind of fucked up that Kurt didn't get a solo in this whole set list despite the fact that he was the person closest with Karofsky? Well, Tanner, uh, Glee is... The most homophobic. homophobic gay show on Fox. So. So anyways, after that, 
They wheel out a coffin, and Sven Goobles pops out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and New Directions wins, because the plot demands it. <laughs> yeah, and they win, and there's just kind of like a quiet shot of them hoisting their trophy into the air, and like, Blink goes over to slap Sebastian on the arm like, Hey, better luck next time, champ. Yeah. <laughs> and then we uh, get we get more Quinn regression. <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. That's okay. So. Because Quinn goes to Sue Sylvester's office and she tells Quinn that they did a good job. And she tells Quinn that she's proud of her for all the ways that Quinn is not like her. In that Quinn has overcome a lot of different kinds of adversity than Sue has overcome. And... Like, you can always change your life around if you want to, and I think that's great. And Sue reinstates Quinn as a Cheerio, and in an entirely straight move, she immediately changes into her Cheerio uniform and goes to find Rachel before she can leave for the courthouse. Yeah. (laughs) And Quinn says to Rachel, when you were singing that song, here's to us, you were singing it to Finn and only Finn, right? And I I tell you, the... Apparently the Faberi fans uh, crashed Twitter in this episode, <laughs> like when this episode was airing, because Rachel just looks at Quinn confusedly and she nods, and then <laughs> Quinn goes dead behind the eyes and says, well, I just wanted to let you know that I'll be so happy if you'll let me come to your wedding and be a bridesmaid. And Rachel's like, yay! And hugs Quinn, and Diana looks so conflicted, oh my god. She is truly too good for Glee. Yeah. It's okay, she's she's fine. She's making queer art movies now. Hell yes. And then we go over to... Oh, now we're going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. We get some shots of, like, whoever doing rounds on Dave, and then they leave just as Kurt comes in. Does he have anything with them? I can't remember. Um, I think he brought flowers. Yeah. That does that does remind me uh something I forgot to mention earlier because it's such a small thing. But mm-hmm. Mercedes in the God Squad she, scene, she mentioned that they were going to send the an edible arrangement to the family, mm-hmm. which is like a good idea because mm-hmm. people always forget to eat when tragedy strikes. But mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. like there's I find something in, inherently hilarious about edible arrangements, just the concept of them, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree with you. I think there's some in the states now that will sell. Edible arrangements, as in edible arrangements. Oh, hell yeah. It's not my thing, but you know what? Go for it. Don't, do not get it mixed up. Yeah, 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 really. I'm pretty sure they have to be separate stores. No, but I'm saying like, oh, I'm just picturing someone accidentally looking up edible arrangements, finding edible arrangements instead. (laughs) Not clicking the difference, getting that, and like goes to the funeral home, and everyone's trying to mourn, but they're fucking blazed. God, put that in Glee reboot. <laughs> I don't know who would be dead, but anyway. They're at Will's funeral because we killed him in season one. And we're like, okay, oh no, Kurt, you just had the forever weed. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, anyway. So Kurt uh, goes into the hospital room. Akrovsky says hi. He sounds terrible on account of the previously aforementioned injuries he sustained. Yes. Kurt says he's really happy that David is alive, and Dave says, Hey, by the way, I do not blame you for not returning my calls. As mentioned, I was terrible. Mm-hmm. And Kurt tries to tell him that it's going to get better, and Dave's like, I really don't see how, because my best friend said he never wants to see me again, and my mom says that we can cure him. Here's here's a fun <sighs> fandom trivia note, is that quite often the fans would make Azimia out to be like, 
the moment he finds out Karofsky is gay, he becomes number one ally with a bullet. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just like either disregarded this mention of my best friend never wants to see me again, or decided, okay, now it's a Zemio redemption tour time. Mm-hmm. No one ever gave his mom a redemption tour. They're like, oh, he has a shitty mom? Good to know. Adding this to the character profile. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. And quite often it's like any any fic that like deals with Karofsky at any point past this is like, yeah, Karofsky's dad immediately divorced his mom and got sole custody of him. It's great. Good. Good. And then Kurt's like, okay, yeah, I understand how that can be hard. And here's the thing. There are going to be some days that it just fucking sucks. It's mm-hmm. not going to be easy. But I am going to be there to help you through it as a friend. Mm-hmm. And then they do the peanut butter exercise again. Kurt has Karofsky, like, close his eyes and just, like, visualize himself in ten years. He's like, okay, picture this. You've got a high-paying job. You're a lawyer. And then Karofsky is like, can I be a sports agent? And Kurt's like, yeah, Karofsky, you can be a sports agent. Mm-hmm. And it's very cute because even though he's a 30-year-old man, he's also just a little boy and he needs love. And he's my son. He's my son. So... <laughs> And then Kurt describes, like, he's just, like, he's leaving work early because he has a handsome husband and a beautiful little son of his own. And they're taking his kid to his very first football game. And so his son comes in and gives him up in a big hug. And I'm pretty sure it's not Grant Gustin, but I will say that future husband in the Karofsky future vision does look a little bit like Sebastian. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> Sebovsky OTP. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and Kurt says like, you see his kid up in a big hug, and you kiss your husband, and you look at him and you say, and then Dave cuts in and he says, I'm so happy right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very cute and sweet. And they confirm that they're going to be friends from this point on. Yeah. And then we're never going to see David in person again until season six, but it's okay because I'm just going to pretend that they're best friends and they're always Facebooking each other about like mental health and gay memes. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, could you imagine if Kurt like said, okay, cool, Dave, now that you're out of the closet, you're going to have your media literacy crash course. <laughs> we're going to have movie nights. Here's all of the good gay content that you've been missing out on. <laughs> we're going to watch Brokeback Mountain first. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> really starting with Broke Rack Mountain? I feel like Kurt would be the one starting with Birdcage, and Dave would be the one that you're like, please can we watch Broke Rack Mountain? Heath Ledger's a fox. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Should I talk about the fanfic that I wrote now, or should I wait till the end of the episode? <laughs> Up to you. We've already been recording for an hour and a half, who cares? <laughs> yeah, so we're actually making good time. So I did, in my Glee Season 4 fanfic that I wrote immediately after Season 3, so it was like, not influenced by the true season four whatsoever. But I, because I was like, hey, the Karofsky and Kurt are friends now. Mm-hmm. My thought was that, okay, between the hospitalization from this and like the, all the bullying drama earlier, he doesn't quite have enough credits to graduate. So he is going to be held back here. And hey, what better place for Dave to transfer to after being kicked out of two schools than the Dalton? And so oh, he boy. goes to Dalton. And he uh, eventually joins the the Warblers, and while him and Sebastian are like friends, we're totally just friends, we're, we're so normal guys, we're just friends, and <laughs> eventually Dave does join the Warblers for regionals, and while this is happening, this is also like Sebastian trying to court Dave, because Sebastian's like, I've never relationshiped a person before, I only fucking say goodbye. 
And of course, Jeff and Nick and Trent were all real characters for one episode as well. And they're like, Sebastian, please be a normal human. And Sebastian's like, I don't know how. And they're like, Dave, you're great. And Dave's like, I don't know, am I? (laughs) And then eventually Dave has an anxiety attack before the show because only now does he find out that, hey, Sebastian mobilized all the choirs to dedicate their entire performances to you last year after your incident. And David's like, what? He cares about me this much? I need a high in the bathroom. So he does that. And then Sebastian goes in and is like, it's because you make me want to be a better person and I'm falling for you and I'm just so glad that you're still around. And Dave's like, wow, that's the nicest thing anyone said to me. And Sebastian's like, yeah, can I kiss you now? And Dave's like, yes. And then they do. And then they would they would do a duet of Stay by Rihanna because apparently that's a breakup song, but I didn't know it was a breakup song. I thought it was a romance song. So anyway, Sebastian and Dave sing Stay by Rihanna for regionals. And they win regionals and they get to go to nationals alongside the, the New Directions. And then they lose nationals, obviously. But it's okay, because yeah. Sebastian and Dave are in love. Aww. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just nodding along. I'm vibing. We'll probably have to do, like, a series of Bocos just so I go through my entire fanfic, my season four <laughs> fanfic. <laughs> Anyways, now, as I mentioned, it's time for the Academy Award nominated or winner, the seminal classic, Rachel Getting Married. We're at the courthouse. Yeah. Sue is there. Just to tell Will, hello, this baby inside me has turned me into a good person for today. So I've decided I'm going to help you win nationals. And Will's like, what the fuck? Have you been buddy snatched? Whatever. Like, children are getting married. I don't have time to analyze this. Yes. Or even analyze it. (laughs) Yeah. What did I say? (laughs) Analyze. We're going to analyze this. (laughs) We then cut to the parents where... (laughs) Carol is the closest to a level head, but I'm not going to say she has one fully, because her children are getting married. Yeah, because Jeff Goldblum is there, and he is frustrated. Leroy is frustrated. Bert is about to put himself physically between Rachel and Finn so that they have to leave room for Jesus. Carol is the only person who's saying, have we ever considered that- (laughs) Did we ever consider that reverse psychology was a bad idea? Yeah, reverse psychology was a bad idea. Also, we raised two strong-willed, independently-minded children who clearly love each other very much, and I feel like every time we try and get in their way, they've just gone around us, and, like, if we try and stop this, they're probably just gonna elope. So maybe we should just let it happen. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum is like, but what if we have a scheme? Yes. When when the justice of the peace says, like, oh, who does anyone object to this marriage between this man and this woman? We all will stand up and say we object. We all say we do with feeling. And Bert, then you will run interference yes, with yes. things. <laughs> Carol, you will distract the justice of the peace with your feminine wiles. <laughs> and she has this look on her face like, why do I have to be the one to distract the justice of the peace with my feminine wiles? <laughs> I will hustle Rachel out the side door and into our waiting car where you, Hiram, will drive, I don't drive, straight to Broadway. And if that doesn't start to get our baby girl back on her love life track, I don't know what will. Yeah. And... There's also a line in there somewhere about how Patty Lapone, not even Patty Lapone, could change Rachel's mind. Barbara could. Who's Barbara? Streisand, dear. Uh, yes, but because she's probably busy in her own underground shopping mall, did you know she has a mall? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, Finn sees Rachel before the wedding in her dress, and they're like, wow, you both look so beautiful. And Finn is like, wait, I just want to... Like, just hold still for a minute, because I want to remember this moment forever. And I'm like, oh god, Corey. Also, you're gonna. <laughs> yeah. 
the, they're trying to get ready. Quinn isn't there because Literally, she forgot her bridesmaid dress. And Rachel's like, we gotta wait for Quinn for no normal reasons. Literally, it's like, Finn is like, Rachel, I want to remember the way that you look forever because you're so beautiful. And Rachel's like, oh, look, I have a text from Quinn. <laughs> And, like, shortly thereafter, Finn is like, Rachel, we gotta go now or they'll give our spot away. Because, like, we're intercutting between Quinn driving from the, I guess, from her house to the courthouse. And uh, Rachel is continually texting her, like, where are you? Like, get here now, that kind of a thing. And Rachel, in, like, the bride's, the bride's room, like, it's, hilariously, it's all the bridesmaids and Kurt and Blaine and Rachel's dad's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I think they say something about like, oh, I guess for Bray isn't going to make it. And Rachel's like, I can't get married without Quinn here. And like Quinn merges around a combine, which is unsafe driving to begin with. And that's when Finn runs in saying, it's now or never, Rachel. Like, if we don't get married now, they're going to give our spot away. We got like, it's now or never, Rachel. Who are you going to pick, me or Quinn? And she turns <laughs> away to text Quinn. Quinn, where are you? And we cut back to Quinn. And as she is typing out on my way on her QWERTY keyboard, <laughs> this whole time going to the chapel has been playing in a minor key. And as she goes to text it, there's... A car crash, as in, as in Quinn is T-boned by a truck. I wasn't clear on whether it was her running a stop, running a stop sign or the truck running a stop sign, but she gets T-boned to be continued. Quinn might be dead. This episode aired February 21st, and the next episode didn't air until April 10th. Almost two months went by. With <laughs> Quinn no was dead was for happening. two months. Quinn was dead even when the episode stills were coming out of Quinn in the next episode. Yeah, spoilers, Quinn is not dead. But even when they were coming out, people were like, no, this is just an imagined spot, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is just dreams. They're just dreaming. And she's dead for real. Because we all know Diana Agron fucking hates being on the show these days. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, so, since the episode is over, I'm a, I am now willing to discuss trivia. <laughs> they had been kicking around the idea of a texting while driving storyline since April of 2010, uh, which was when Oprah had the entire cast of Glee on her show and made them all sign promises not to text and drive. And apparently Diane Agron really wanted Quinn to die here because please release me from this hell that is this Glee production. And apparently she was helping Ryan Murphy come up with the story beats for, hey, Quinn's gonna get into a giant car wreck. So Diana wanted Quinn to die and Ryan Murphy did not care. <laughs> yeah, eventually they land on the compromise of, you know yeah. what, how about she's just in a wheelchair for the rest of the season? Yeah. Or at least the next couple of episodes. And One, two, three, apparently, four, five episodes. Apparently, the scene at the end of Quinn texting and driving and getting into a car crash, like, it's on YouTube. It was used as part of an actual official texting while driving PSA by the U.S. Department of Transportation. They huh. said it to loser like me. Huh. Yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. Okay, well... So, Real quick, should we talk about the deleted scenes for this episode, of which there were a lot? 
I was unaware of the deleted scenes, so yes, tell me the deleted scenes. So this is in approximate chronological order. I couldn't find most of them on film, but a lot of them were filmed and they were used in the promo and then didn't get to the actual episode, which is probably a smart decision in the long run. Okay. They filmed a scene with Coach Roz and Kurt, which we know because Nene Leakes and Chris Colfer have a picture together of set for this episode, I guess. Okay. There was a bridal shop scene, and there was also a second one. That one got filmed and released. It's on YouTube still. It's called The Bridesmaids Scene, where it's everyone at the bridal shop and trying on dresses. Uh, Santana's thing like, oh, me and the color pink have been feuding for a long time, and I don't want to make amends now. (laughs) (laughs) Which, relatable. And this is the scene where Quinn tells Rachel, I'm not going to stand around and watch you ruin your life by marrying Finn Hudson. And everyone else is like, I do not see it. I'm keeping my nose out of this business, which is not mine. <laughs> and then Rachel's like, okay, cool. Uh, if you don't support me marrying a man, then you can leave. And Quinn's like, fine, I'm going to leave. <laughs> Apparently, Brittany and Santana were supposed to have a secret handshake before they went on stage at regionals. They had a separate scene set at regionals where the Berries were telling the Hummels and then the Hudmels, excuse me, that they had to stop the wedding. And there was another scene where Kurt and Blaine were discussing going to visit Dave in the hospital. Um, apparently Blaine wanted to go visit as well, but Kurt was like, maybe just me this time. And Blaine's like, cool, I'll drive and I'll be your moral support in the car. <laughs> um, also, oh. we should we should mention that when this episode was airing, at least in the U.S., like... During the commercial breaks, they aired a PSA for the Trevor Project during this episode, and they got, like, because this was pre-planned, they were able to accommodate the fact that during this episode, the Trevor Project had, like, a 3,000% increase in calls. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, this is groundbreaking for multiple reasons. Glee actually was enacting live positive change. Yeah, that that is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Like, great. I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> and that's all the trivia that I had. All right, then let's get to the gold stars. I started. What's your gold star song? My gold star song is Stronger. And mine is Glad You Came. Yeah. We already talked a lot about those songs, so it's kind of evident. Yeah, yeah. What's your gold star scene? <laughs> you know, I think my gold star scene is the... Oops, there goes part of my Cyndaquil. No! Uh, it's okay, it's okay. They're like a figure. I just put them back together. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) But I think my gold star scene is, I think it has to be the peanut butter scene. Yeah, same. Even though Dave's suicide attempt is also a really, really good scene. I didn't have to cover my face because I was so scared. It was so- Right. Yeah. Like the the attempt is good because it is so powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. The peanut butter edges it out just because it is- uplifting and has stuck with me longer yeah um and what's your slushy moment (sighs) can i just make my slushy moment be rachel and finn getting married yeah (laughs) actually do i want to make it them getting married or do i do i want to make it quinn's regression (laughs) i i mean yeah i either work and they do kind of dovetail together yeah it's very easy to uh determine that one causes the other i'm gonna say finn and rachel getting married Okay. My slushy moment is New Direction's regional set list. <laughs> Fair. I think if Sven Goobles was a real person and watching this real set list, he would go, What the fuck is up with this? I'm going to give it to the Twinks. <laughs> 
What if they gave it to the Golden Goblets just because he liked their costumes better? They clearly have something going on because they got to regionals. They beat whoever they were against in sectionals. Mm -hmm. And then they go to nationals and then they beat (laughs) Carmel. They beat Vocal Adrenaline. They're the champions and the face of Shokar is forever changed. And then we come back in season four and everyone's singing Gregorian chants. (laughs) God, could you imagine? Wow, truly wild stuff. I don't even know that many Gregorian chants. And yet Glee continues to be wilder. All right, that's the episode. Christina, play us out. Yes. Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at LoserLikeMePod on Twitter and at LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. We also have our own Discord server and Tumblr, both of which are linked in the episode description. Next time, uh, brothers. But none of us will be brothers. But there will be brothers. It's another episode with a really mid-song selection. I gotta be honest. I was like, hey! Yeah, I, uh... Guys, can you sing a good song? Is that possible today, this week? This is another episode that I did not watch when it was airing, and so I accidentally saw the first song that will be used, and I think I just got more gray hair simply by seeing what song they use for their first performance after the mid-season break. (laughs) But that's next time. But we have a guest next time, too. And so, look yeah. forward to that. But until then, three, two, one. And, and that's, that's what you miss on Glee. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me.